This is Pocket Watching with JT, the call-in financial talk show focused on helping you get your money right. Jason Thornton is a certified financial planner licensed in both tax and investments. Now, this is not personal financial advice. This is JT's real reaction to all your money and business questions. Are you deep in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and looking for a way out? Call Pocket Watching with JT, the financial advisor for the people. Need more? Book your personal consultation with my man JT at pocketwatcher.net. Now, let's go pocket watching. Hey, pocket watchers, welcome to Pocket Watching with JT. It is the Sunday night live stream. So, you know what it is? This is JT. Can I buy it? For those of you, who are unaware of what we do here on this show on Sunday nights, I am going to allow you, the viewing public, many of you who have no type of relationship with a certified financial planner, no relationship with a financial ad advisor. You've got all these things going on in your life. You've got all these financial decisions that you're trying to make, and you have no professional help or support. So here at Pocket Watching with JT, we're going to help you out. So you see the number. Here it is. Here's the number. It's 515-602-9778. That is the call-in numbers. For tonight, we're focused on can I buy it? So this is the premise. Here we go. There's something going on in your financial life. You're trying to figure out, should you spend money in a particular way? You've got something that you want to buy or you got some cash and you don't know What's the best place to put your cash should you buy it? And what you're going to do if you call up, <laughs> what you're going to do, you're going to call up. I'm going to ask you some questions. So just be prepared to answer a few questions. Number one, what do you want to buy and how much does it cost? You need to have a good idea of what it is you want to buy and how much it costs. Second, after I ask you that question, I'm going to ask you a few personal budgeting questions so I can get an idea of if you can afford to buy this thing or not, or if there's a better use of your cash. That's the basic premise of the Sunday night live stream. So let me give a shout out to the over 55,000 pocket watches. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. You, you made a commitment you said, I like this content. I like this content enough that I'm going to hit that red button and I'm going to subscribe. It's been a little over a year and I went from zero to 55,000. So I appreciate each and every one of you guys out there. And I'm just trying to give back. I'm trying to make sure that I am producing a financial talk show that is actually helping the people. All right. So thank you to the over 55,000. If you're not, if you're not in the group yet, what are you doing? Hit that red button. Hit the red button. Subscribe to Pocket Watching with JT. Hit the like button. That's that's the easiest thing that you could do. Hit that like button, because when you hit that like button, you are letting uh, YouTube know that you like it. And people who watch the stuff that you watch, they will get an opportunity to see Pocket Watching with JT. So hit that like button and share this content. If I've said something in any show or this show that was helpful for you and your financial life, share the wealth. 
hit the share button, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is you do your online lifestyle, living timeline, whatever the hell you kids do, share this content. All right. All right. So now that that is out of the way, we got a couple of people who came in super early with the super chat. So I got I got to give a shout out to everybody who came in super early with the super chat. Shout out to Diamond D. Diamond D says, JT about to bless us with another fire and some, uh, yeah, another fire video and some great information. Keep doing your thing. Hey, Diamond D, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. Listen, going to school and all that stuff is not the easiest thing. Not the hardest thing in the world, but it's not the easiest thing. You know, you got to go to school. There's a lot of exams. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, then you get into a position where, as a financial advisor, you get to the point where so everybody can't afford your services. Let me let me put it that way. You only have, you have a limited amount of time. And your time costs a lot of money for some people. I mean, to pay me $350 an hour, I'm going to be honest, that is not something that the average person walking down the street can do. I'm be, I mean, let, let, let's be real. $350 an hour for a quick question, right? For a quick question is probably out of the budget, right? Uh, I believe the Federal Reserve did a study not too long ago that said the average American household does not have $400 saved up for an emergency. So that basically lets me know, if you do not have $400 saved up for an emergency, you don't have $350 to ask me a question, right? And I understand that. And uh, there are a lot of pro bono uh, opportunities that you know financial planners do for people who are a little lower income, right? And you should Google and you know look for these opportunities. I participate in several uh, programs where I work with people who are low income and elderly, and I provide pro bono services. But the point that I'm trying to get to is this show is the middle ground because some of some of y'all ain't that broke. <laughs> some of y'all are not that broke where you fit the criteria for the pro bono services, but at the same time you don't have the available cash to book. A consultation. So this is the middle ground. Pocket watching with JT. These calling shows. This is the middle ground. This gives you a little bit, a little taste of what it's like to have a relationship with a certified financial planner. Help you make a financial decision based on actual knowledge of finance, and then hopefully you get on the road where you can build a relationship with a certified financial planner in your area to help you. All right. So that's what this is about. So Diamond D, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, let me see here. Got a couple of other comments here. I want to, I think I got one more super chat. Super chat from AM1014 says, showing my appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you for supporting Pocket Watching with JT. All right, now, I'm not going to keep going. There's a couple of people in the back. I'm about to bring you up. So let me just say again what we're doing here tonight. This is JT, Can I Buy It? So be prepared to tell me what it is you want to buy, how much that thing costs, and be prepared to give me some basic information about your budget, 
your debt so I can do the best I can to give you a smart money tip to help you on your journey to financial freedom. That's what we do here, people. All right. So I got um, a caller from number 631. You are going to be the first up. So give me one second here to set up the phone lines. I'll be right back. Give me one second here. All right. I think Hello? we have you called up from uh, 631. Are you there? Yes, sir. All right. All right. So what is your name and where are you calling from? Hey, man. My name is uh, Joey. I'm calling from Long all right, Island. Joey from Long Island. Let's get let's let's get working here. What do you want to buy? Um, I'm actually uh, I'm trying to see um. What's the? I don't. I don't want to buy anything. I just want to know how, where can I put money to save for my kids. Okay. Well, that's that's, that's kind of okay. That's that's kind of a thing, right? You're not technically buying, you know, something, but you're you have some money, and you're trying to figure out you want to do something for your children, right? And you don't know where to place that money. That's 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 close enough. That's within the realm of tonight's conversation. So let's break it down. Now, you got some money that you want to dedicate towards going to your kids correct yes sir all right now my my question to you my first question is going to be what do you want this money to be for i understand it's for your kids but is it for a particular thing do you want it to be for your kids education what what do you want your kids to actually use the money for uh yeah, ed education. Uh, it's for like right now. My my son is seven. My daughter is two years old, and I just want to say that for them for their education, so um, they have something. Okay, so you want you want to save for their education? There's a few things that you can do. All right, there's a few things that you can do. So if you want to save for their education, the very first thing that I would point towards because it's specifically for education. You can put that money into a 529 plan with your state, right? So each state has a 529 plan. Within this plan, basically what it is, it's an account. It's an investment account where when you put the money in, you do not get a, you know, you're not getting a federal tax break. I don't want you to think that you're going to get some sort of tax deduction for putting this money in. But you put the money in, it's being invested. As that money grows, you do not have to pay tax on the growth of the money. Are you familiar with how a Roth account works? Yeah, is that basically a Roth account? It's 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 not a Roth account itself. We'll get to that point, but it operates very similar to the way a Roth account works. You put the money in, you do not get a tax deduction for it by putting the money in, but as that money grows, you will not have to pay tax on the growth of the money. But, and here's, here's, here's the exception. I was like, say it again. What bank do you recommend for me to put that money in? What what banks? Like, oh, well, uh, first, what you, know? you need to do, you need to contact. But let, let me get to that point. We, we're going to get there, but uh, slow down, slow down. So, I got to tell you the exception to the rules here, though. 
You do not have to pay tax right. on that money if you use it for education. It has to be used for education. If you do not use the money for education, then you will end up paying tax on that money. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's 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 option number one. Okay. That's option number one. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm giving you your options. So yeah. option number one, you can start a 529 plan. And if you, you know, interested on where you should open up the 529 plan and all of that, the very first thing you should do is you should just Google 529 plans in your state and you will see the various options that you will have. So that's option number one. And that's towards education. Now, you could do a Roth, right? You can open up a Roth account and put the money in the Roth account for your children, right? Same principle. Okay. It you know it grows tax deferred, but here's the flexibility that you will have with the Roth that you won't have with the 529. With the Roth plan, after five years, so the second you open up the account, after five years, you can take the money out with no penalty. Talking about the principal, not talking about mm -hmm. the growth, but the principal. So let's say okay. you start the account with $5,000. Right. Okay. Uh, honestly, you can start the account with one dollar. Right. You can start the account with one dollar technically. Yeah. Right. Started with one dollar. Okay. And then throughout five years, you put in enough money where it's five thousand dollars. OK. After the right. five year mark, you can pull out the five thousand dollars with no problem whatsoever. Now, if your account okay. grows to, let's say, eight thousand, you put in five, but it grows to eight. That means you made, uh, you know, that appreciation of the assets of three thousand dollars. You got a three thousand dollar gain, right? You can take out the okay. five thousand dollars after the five year mark whenever you want, no problem. But if you touch the three thousand dollars, that's going to be an issue. That's where you get the tax penalty. Okay. okay. So, and you and you can use that money on whatever you want. You're not held to it. Has to be spent on education you can spend it on whatever you want in that sense right but remember you're not really touching the growth if you do touch the growth then you're going to get hit with a penalty but once again you can still use the money however you want so that's that's one option okay so the first one is a 529 plan you can use you can also do a Roth account or you can set up just a straight uh investment account for the children but you would actually be the guardian over the account, right? It's in their name, okay. but you're the guardian of the account and they won't take custody of the account until you know you make the decision that it's time for them to uh, take custody over the account. I think they have to take custody when they get like in their mid twenties, like 21, 22 off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it's somewhere in that range, right? So you can just open up a brokerage account in their name with you being the administrator over the account, funding it and making the decisions on the account. Now that's a straight brokerage account. So you're, you're putting money in, it's being invested. Hopefully the investment grows and then you can go take in and take out, you know, put in and take out as much as you want. There's no restrictions. It's a, uh, and the way you're going to be taxed, you're going to be taxed at a short-term or long-term capital gains. So that's how that would work. So those, those are three. There's other options, 
but those are the three that I would I, I would recommend based on what you're saying right now. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So yeah. you got you got the 529 plan. You can set up a Roth for them, or you can just open up a brokerage account in their name with you to, with you being the guardian of the uh, of the account. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much, JT. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice man. talking to you. Keep doing great work, brother. Uh, you got it. No problem. You have a good one. Thank you for calling up. All right. All right, people. All right, people. Let me go through this chat real quick and see what we got going on in the chat. Oh, yeah. And just to update you, for you know, for people who are unaware, you're, we're doing something new here in the month of May. In the month of May, you can get some of JT's money, all right? So I'm really trying to focus on helping people get out of debt in 2022 and, of course, moving forward. There's some things that I'm working on, some tools, some resources, a curriculum that's going to help you sit down, work out a plan, and figure out how you can get out of debt. That's one thing that I'm working on. The second thing that I'm also going to do, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, I'm going to be giving away $500 in the month of May to some pocket watcher out there or several pocket watchers out there. And I'm going to try to help you on your way of getting debt free. And basically, here's the rules as they stand right now. The rules as they stand right now, I do the weekly show on Friday nights. JT helped me get out of debt. During that show, I'm taking on callers and I'm going to give the callers an opportunity to let me know what their debt situation is, what their budget looks like. And I'm going to give you tips on how you can get out of debt or make the steps towards getting out of debt. Then at the end of the show, I'm going to do a poll and I'm going to allow the pocket watching community the opportunity to vote on which one of the callers get the money for that week. And then, you know, I'll contact you, figure out, you know, the best way to send you the cash. And hopefully you're responsible. You take my advice and you use the cash to help you yourself get out of debt. So that's the, the basic rules. And that's what I'm going to be doing moving forward. So just be just be prepared for that. All right. Let me see what's going on in the chat. Let's see. Oh, we got. Yeah, I think I thought I saw this guy. We got a super chat from Teddy. Teddy in the place. Teddy Woodson in the place says, all right, Pocket Watcher uh, JT um, says, is it okay to take a loan to pay off credit cards? All right. Well, all right well, I thought it would be smart to consolidate interest. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer this question because there's variables at play. Should you take out a loan to pay off credit cards? Well, isolated, the answer would be yes, it makes sense. And here's why. Just isolated. I'm going to get why I'm saying isolated here in a second. If you just isolate it and you say, okay, it, it makes sense. Because if you can get a loan that is going to be at an overall lower interest than the interest on the credit card, then it makes sense. You're going to be saving money overall. If your credit card is 20 plus percent and you can get a consolidation loan for less than 20 something percent, it makes sense, right? Here's the issue though. 
there's far too many companies out here that will advertise that we can help you consolidate your loans. But these companies sometimes act as middlemen. They're not the ones really trying to get you the loan sometimes. They're acting as a middleman that says that they're going to help you uh, consolidate your loans and they're going to also help you uh, negotiate your debts down. And at the end of the day, there's many instances where these companies just bleed you dry while they're you know, slowly taking payments from you and payments from, from you to the point where when you look up, you you probably would have been better off just paying off the debt directly. So uh, I would have to say, make sure whatever company you're dealing with to get the consolidation loan, that that loan is like you're dealing directly with the financing company. You're dealing directly with the people who are going to give you the loan. That's number one. Number two, if this is consumer debt, I don't want you to take out a loan on your property, your home. Do not take, you know, don't, do not try to convert debt that has no collateral, which is credit card debt. Credit card debt has no collateral. Don't take a debt that has no collateral and then attach it to your home by getting a home equity line of credit or a HELOC and paying it off with that. That I would not, not suggest. So as long as you're, you know, following what I'm saying here, it can be a good thing if done right. If you're running around with a middleman company that's just taking payments and saying they're going to get it done for you, you're better off just staying where you are. All right, all right, all right. Hopefully that hopefully that helped. We got uh Blake, Blake H in the building. Blake H says, Are you sending a 1099 for that 500? Listen, it depends. Everybody's not getting 500. Let, let me be clear. I, I, hopefully I wasn't confusing y'all. You might not get a whole 500. You might get $100, right? I'm saying for the whole month, I'm giving away $500. Everybody ain't just not giving away $500 to everybody who call up. So that, that's point number one. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. Point number two, come on, man. I, I got is IRS regulations. If I pay a non-employee more than $500, $500 or more, you got to get to 1099. But if I pay you less, $500, you're probably not going to get a 1099 because I don't have the requirement to send out the 1099. So if, if you get less than $500, you're probably not going to get 1099. If I send you $500 or more, you will absolutely be getting a 1099. That's just how it works. We got Lotus Eater in the building says, how many accounts should a single person have? Oh, Lord. Okay, so this is what I would suggest. And this isn't like some hard rule that you would find in a book. I'm giving you my personal opinion based on years of practice. So you need a checking account, <laughs> number one, right? You need a checking account. And this checking account should be the account where your money goes that you earn, right? Your The, the money that you earn from your W-2 job. Let me, let, let me give that example first. So let's say your W-2 person, an employee, which most of the population of the world is, and there's no shame in being a W-2 employee, you most likely have a better life than some of the people who fake like they're big time entrepreneurs. So let's be clear about that. But let's say your W-2 employee, you need at least obviously one checking account 
and that's the account where your paycheck should go into. That's the that account. Now, I do not believe personally that you should allow automatic withdrawals out of that account. I know a lot of you do automatic bill pay and you have all these subscriptions to all these different um, websites. And I understand that it comes out automatically out of your bank account. I personally do not believe that you should attach your main bank account, the, the account where your money goes into shouldn't be getting hit up with all these different little subscriptions. I just don't believe you should. So your uh, you should have at least one account where your money goes in. That's your main money that goes in. Now, I would also suggest a second account. This second account is going to be the account where you allow those type of automatic debits and things to come out of, okay? And the reason why is if you need to cut somebody off, or if you see that you're being billed a little extra, it won't hurt the nest egg of the, of the money that you have coming in that you need for your serious bills. Talking about your mortgage, your car note, and all that stuff. I have a separate account where I let little petty uh, online subscriptions and stuff go out of that. And I put the money in every, every month. I know, let's say I need $800 a month for all the different subscriptions and different things that I do. Okay, great. Once a month, I just transfer the money over there and I let it do what it do. If somebody gets a little uh, uh, <laughs> gets a little weird on me and they try to double uh, double bill me, there's not enough money in the account for them to milk me dry. I can easily see something's wrong because a lot of y'all are getting ate up by double billing and stuff like that and you don't notice it because it's in your main account and there's so many transactions in your main account, you don't have the time to keep up with it. So I would say main account, then for the petty, all the little different subscriptions you got, you need that. You also need a separate account for your emergency savings fund. This needs to be a savings account or, uh, or a money market account. Whichever one, I don't care. Obviously, it needs to be the one that has the highest interest rate. But here's the here's the one thing that I always say. Your emergency savings fund account should not have a debit card attached to it. Technically, it can. They will ask you, do you want a, a, a debit card when you open up the account? You say no. Nine. Absolutely not. You do not want a debit card attached to your emergency savings account because you will find a way to spend that money if you have a debit card. So just make sure that the de uh, there's no debit card attached to your um, to your emergency savings fund. So in that scenario that I just gave you, uh, you basically got three accounts. You have one checking account where your money goes in. You can pay your large bills out of it. As long as it not, you know, automatic debits. I don't like automatic debits out of my main account because I want to make sure that I'm picking and choosing where this money goes and when it goes. Then you have a separate account where all your little minor little stuff comes out and then you need your uh, emergency savings fund. So as of right now, that's my answer. You need you need those three. All right. We got a caller here. Let me bring up caller from 732 area code 732. 
three, two. You are live with Pocket Watching with JT. Can I hear you? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I get it. You're a little low. I don't know if, it, if it's me on my end, but you're a little, little low. But we're we going to work through it. What's going on? So I'm trying to work on paying off my debt. Okay. Um, I've been following. So basically, I am about... Let's say about thirty thousand dollars in debt, you know, okay. some credit card, and just uh, probably a little bit of student loan, but mostly probably credit card debt. Okay. And I've been trying. What I've been trying to do is every week, literally, I set my account up where every week I'm depositing, you know, hundred dollars or so every week into those accounts, just trying to, you know, aggressively pay them off. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I just wanted some of your suggestions regarding okay. how to get rid of this debt quicker. <laughs> all right, all right. So we got $30,000 in debt. You say some of it's student loans, but most of it is credit cards. I don't need it down yes. to the penny, but about how much of the thirty k is credit cards? Um, it probably is most of it, you know, because in some cases, even, oh, it's all credit card. Let's just say it's all credit card. Okay. Even when I went to school, I didn't get a loan. I just like put it on my credit card. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so it's all credit cards. So 30K credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, if you had to guess about how much in interest are you, are you paying on that credit card? Um, I have two of them. And so one is probably 25. The other one is, I want to say maybe 15 or something like that. Yeah, about 25%, 15%. Okay. Now, what do you have in savings? Your emergency savings fund. How much money do you have off to the side for an emergency? $167, Okay. So so less than $200. No, no, no. So when I say uh, $167,000. What are we talking? What, what the hell are we talking about here? Are you are you kidding? Are you you're trolling me, right? You're that's what's going on right now. You're trolling me. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't want to dump all that money in there, um, just to pay off that debt. I'm, so I was trying to just be, you know, to be a progressive with it and just kind of just. I got you. Off. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's have a conversation here. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. Okay. So this one hundred and twenty. What what you say? It was a hundred and what? 160, 100, I think I'm 167, 166,000. All right. So, so I'm, I'm just going to round it and say 165K. Is that all right? That's what we'll say. 165K. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So you got $165,000 saved up. All right. Where do you have this money? Um, I have another high interest savings account at, the time, at, at this moment. I'm trying to also purchase a home okay. with some of that money. So that's why I have. I got you. So you got you got got about 165k, and you're anticipating on purchasing a home, which I understand. If you were, if 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 the if the housing market made sense right now, what what would be what would be your down payment? Do you have an idea of what you need to have on hand for your down payment? I'm thinking of you know uh, probably fifteen thousand, ten to fifteen thousand. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We go. We 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 gonna work out to, right now. Right now, you and me. You and me. We are gonna work out right now. We are gonna do a little little bit of ex- financial <laughs> okay. exercise, and it's good. Listen, it's I'm good. Listen, it's good. I love it because this is going to help other people. Now, many people wish they were in your situation. Let's be clear. 
People wish they were in your situation. Most people are not even close to your situation, but it's good because this is a teachable moment. All right, so you have about $165,000 saved up in a uh, savings account, a savings account. About how much yes, in interest are you being paid on this money, sir? Uh, it's probably, not, it's not that much. And I it, know what you're going to say. It's probably less than 1% if I had to guess. Oh, yes, yes, obviously. Okay, all right. So you've got $165,000 sitting in an account that's earning you less than 1%. Okay, now I yes. understand that you're saving for a house. But you told me that the down payment is only going to take up less than $20,000 for the down payment. Am, am I correct on that? Or did I get that wrong? Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's, let, yeah. let's do some basic math here. You got $30,000 worth of debt and you're getting hit upside the head at an average of over 20% on that debt. Correct? Yes, sir. All right. And you have more than enough money to pay it off, but it's sitting in an account that's earning you less than 1%. Correct? Yes, sir. This is the definition of hustling backwards. All right? I know it feels good, and you've got a sense of security that the $30,000 that you could be using to completely get yourself out of credit card debt is on hand, it's cash available, but it makes so much more sense for you to simply take the 30K out of the savings account, which would only drop you down to $135,000. You're still well above of your cash needs of your emergency savings fund. I'm pretty sure you have more than enough for an emergency savings fund and your down payment of your home that even with the 30K gone. So this basic math, I would say the thing that would make the most sense if I was in your shoes, I would take the 30K and completely pay off the credit card debt. Now, you were putting money on the credit card debt. I, I think you said you were putting like a, a hundred and something on it every week. Is that correct? Yes. Now, let's just think about this. You could completely pay off the debt with the money you already have. Then you become the bank, right? The money that you were using to pay the credit cards, just pay the credit card debt yourself and then start to pay yourself back with that money. You see what I'm saying? So if you're paying them a hundred no, bucks or something a week, you. pay yourself. And I try to do that anyway. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, probably have like hundred thousand in, in the market. Plus, of course, the savings I have too. Uh huh. But no, that makes sense. Yeah, just and, and I know, I I know what it is. You, you just feel more secure having that money in the account. But I'm telling you, of course, pay it off, and then whatever money that you were allocating towards paying off the credit card company, treat yourself as if you were the credit card company, and you're paying yourself back at zero percent interest that would make the most sense that is what i would do if i was in your situation make sense okay no, no it, make, it makes sense it makes sense so what about um and i guess i could i need to start 
uh, heavily investing more into, you know, because I only have, I'm trying to reach, I'm trying to get that W2 millionaire stack, millionaire status. So I'm trying, right, that's right. what I'm trying to do. No, and I mean, you seem to be well on your way. I mean, you for you to be able to save about, how old are you? Uh, just turned 50. Okay. So you, you, as long as you have the money that, that you have, you own your home and you're investing the way that you're investing, you should be fine. Uh, but I would strongly suggest that you contact a black certified financial planner in your area. Sit down. You have the cash for that consultation. Sit down and they will help you map out the best moves for you to make between now and the day you want to retire to get you to that millionaire network. Okay. Okay. All right, boss. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. All right. There's some super chats here that I missed. I want to make sure that I get all of these super chats. I really do appreciate you guys uh, supporting the channel, especially, you know, the, the new the, the new format that we got here. There's little kinks that I'm trying to work out. But honestly, I think... Uh, it's working. It's working better than what we had before. And I'm just trying to make sure that we're adding value to you guys. So let me read this super chat. We got a super chat from uh, KDH Hayes in the building. It says, uh, thank you. I like the call in segment for, oh, for yeah, th- th- I appreciate it. You know, we're working on it. I was just saying that we're working on it, man. We're trying to do, trying to do something special here, man. I, I, I really am. And hopefully this Friday, I can make an announcement to let you know the next steps and the next things that we're doing here on Pocket Watching with JT to really add value in the lives of the people who consume this content to really work something so where you don't just watch my channel, my show and get tips. You actually are going to have a curriculum that you can use to help get out of debt. So, yeah, man, we're, we're working on something. here. We're absolutely working on something, trying to make something uh make something special so let me see here oh i'm I'm getting i'm i'm getting notices that we got to get the likes up we got to get the likes up people so you know do do your brother a favor do your brother a favor get the likes up so you know what we have to do i gotta take a break so y'all get these likes up so check out mo money taxes hi i'm mike evans with mo money tell me what do you know about mo money brother all i know is i was here last night getting my taxes done and today there's mo money all the way you know what i'm saying and how about you? In here yesterday, back today to get my check. This Mo Money stuff is real. I'm Mo Money for life. Out of slow money? Well, come to Mo Money, because we about that. Mo Money Taxes. And once again, it's on. And I got the hookup. Mm. Mo Money Taxes. Come down and see us, and you'll be glad that you did. Fellas, I think this city's ready for a change. Hope they got the red carpet ready. Let's roll. Ready for change? Come to Mo Money, Texas. You'll be glad you did. Continuing saga of Mo Money Taxes. Norfolk police are investigating the tax preparer, and they have alerted the IRS about customers' complaints. Where's my check? 
That's the question all of these people want answered. The IRS is basically verifying to us that their, our money is here in their bank account. Friday, crowds gathered at Mo Money Taxes in Norfolk. On Granby Street, owner Mario Brady told us he printed 50 checks and 30 did not clear. The banks have refused to cash their checks saying that there is fake. I mean, that is unacceptable. It took hours to get through the line that wrapped around the building. And after the last person came out, the owners of the Norfolk locations did too. Some left in police cars. All right, so those like those likes better be up, people. Get those likes up. So don't have any callers. So we're gonna wrap this thing up if no callers call in. Make sure you hit that 515-602-9778. It's 515-602-9778. I'm gonna answer a few questions in the chat. And if no more callers call up for tonight, we're gonna wrap this thing up in about an hour. So let me see what we got in the chat let me see let me see let me see any questions in the chat i think i got that one got that one all right here we go uh it says i know that feeling it feels safer to have a, a full savings account yeah so th this is a much a, of a question right i was looking for questions but no this is a great comment though this is a great comment a caller just popped up caller 302 give me one second just to kind of touch on this a lot of times, especially in our community, it's extremely hard to build wealth, right? You start to hold on to cash, even though there's debt that needs to be handled. Psychologically, it just feels better to have that cash in the account. But at the end of the day, if your debt is growing at a faster pace, meaning the interest rate on the debt is much higher than the interest rate on the savings, you are hustling backwards. It would be better for you to use that cash to pay down the debt, excluding your emergency savings fund. You still need to have the emergency savings fund. That's off to the side. I would not pay off debt and then not have an emergency savings fund. Why? Because the second an emergency happens, you're going to get right back into debt. So, yeah, that, that's a great, great comment. It makes you feel better. But in truth, it's not helping you financially. Caller from 302 area code. You are live with Pocket Watching with JT. Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going, JT? I'm doing good, doing good. Man, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, my name is James. Uh, I'm calling from Delaware, actually. And, All right. Uh, I just want to say, hey, man, you're you're giving out so much great advice. Uh, I love watching uh, CPAs and tax advice on YouTube, and you're you're one of the, you're one of your channels is is uh, is one of the best. And uh, just wanted to give you a shout out. And uh, I do have a question. Yeah. I, uh, number one, start... I appreciate oh, sorry, it. I Thank, no, no, no. I just want to say number one. I, I just want to address this part so that the the next part doesn't seem self-serving. Number one, thank you. I appreciate the support, man. I, I honestly, giving back and being able to share all the stuff that we learn professionally is really the. It's what we all want to do. Is just most professionals don't have the outlet to do it, and we didn't have YouTube and stuff like that. I'm telling you, in the coming right. years, you're gonna see way more channels like mine of attorneys and a, a lot of different professionals. Because now we have this outlet to help people. So thank you. I appreciate it. Now that I stopped patting myself That's on right. the back, go ahead, go ahead and, <laughs> and ask me your question. 
Okay, JT, I have a little bit of a complex situation. So, okay. yeah, around five years ago, I'm coming up on five years here soon. I started mm-hmm. to learn how to day trade. Obviously, everybody thinks that it's easy starting off, then everybody gets right. crushed. And then after you blow up your first account, you're, you're faced with the decision. Hey, do you want to keep going? You realize you're 1% better than you were when you first started after you blew up your first account. Right. I kept going um, five years later now, and uh, I got hired by a proprietary trading firm in Canada. Okay. So I live in the United States. And so essentially how they work, uh, you you have to pass two testing phases. For instance, you have to, uh, the one I just passed, you have to turn $200,000 into 216000 in 30 days. And then uh, the next stage is 210. You have to make 10000 essentially. And uh, my question, uh, before I start getting money from these guys, because they'll just send you, they'll just send it to you, to your bank account. Would mm-hmm. it be the most wise thing to have, uh, to create an S corp, uh, and then pay myself a W two from that S corp of the funds that I've collected from this trading firm, so that I, so that I can avoid uh, self employment tax. Okay, so they're they're hiring you as a contract worker, and the company is based mm-hmm. in Canada, correct? Yeah. Okay. Have they discussed with you any tax obligations that you would have in Canada? Did they say that you would have any obligations to pay tax to uh, Canada? They they say whatever your local jurisdiction or wherever That's, you are in the world, you handle it. it. Okay, your your way. Yeah. I just want to make sure of that so that so that we don't have to worry about uh, getting a foreign tax credit. You're still going to be paid. Mm-hmm. You're paid from a foreign company, but all of your substantial work is in is U.S. based, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay, cool. Now, let's touch mm-hmm. on uh, the question that you got about the escort. All right. So right now, what you're dealing with is. Uh, all right. I, uh, let me, I want to make this as clear as possible. So because you're not currently an escort, what's ultimately going to happen, as you alluded to, you are going to be paying self-employment tax on the net of the money that you make from this business activity. Right. So you have a business, you're self-employed, you're going to have to pay self-employment tax, which is 15.3% on the net. It's not technically the net. There's a formula that we do that's really like, I want to say like 90 something, 97% or something like that. But we'll get, let's get past that point right now. Let's Mm -hmm. just say it's the total net. And that's going to be 15.3%. That's going to represent social security and Medicare tax on the money that you make now. What you're suggesting is, or what you're asking is, should you go ahead and request to be taxed as an S corporation with the IRS? Because if you're taxed as an S corporation with the IRS, that would mean that the net income from the business is not going to be subject to self-employment tax. It's going to actually be viewed as um, passive income because it's going to be reported on Schedule E, which is for supplemental income. That's where you'll see income from partnerships. That's where you'll see income from rental property. It's it's supplemental income, royalty, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now, in order for you to do that, which you already kind of talked about, but I'm just laying this out for the people who have no idea what the hell we're talking about. You can <laughs> form the S corporation but you can't form an S corporation for the sole purpose of trying to avoid self-employment tax on your labor, right? So the IRS requires you to pay yourself a W-2 
for the labor that you do within your business. Okay. Now, the question I have to you after laying all that out is this. At the end of the day, based on the amount of money that you make, how much of a W-2 would you be paying yourself based on your labor? Here's the reason why I asked that question. If you're making $50,000 a year, and if the IRS can go online or they can look at certain job postings and see that based on your labor, you should be making $50,000, then at this point, you're really kind of hustling backwards because 100% of the income from the business is all going to be W-2 income. And the reason why I say you're hustling backwards is because now that you're an S-Corp, you have to file an 1120S uh, corporate tax return. You got to pay someone like me to file that tax return. So you're probably, one, you're not gaining anything because all mm -hmm. your money is going towards the W-2, but now you have to pay more for the tax preparation. You have to also pay more for the payroll services. So even though functionally it's going to be the same, you're actually going to be out of more money for administration fees for operating the S-Corp. Now, if, if you're making, let's say you're making $250,000, right? Let's say you're making $250,000 from this. And based on your labor, the IRS can see just based on job postings and the thing that you do, you would be making $100,000 if you are employed by someone else. Now it makes sense because now you can give yourself a W-2 of $100,000 still have another $150,000 that flows through to the S-Corp, it makes sense. Now, you can do this with lower scaled numbers. Let's say it's $100,000 that you make. And based on the IRS and based on different job postings, based on your labor, you should be making $40,000. So that means you got $60,000 to the good that's not being hit with the extra 15.3%. See what I'm saying? But if it's, mm -hmm. if it's, you know, you're making 50 and the W-2 is 50, you still got to pay me to prepare the 1120S. You got to pay whatever payroll company to issue you the W-2. You're actually going to end out worse rather than just getting hit with the 15.3%. You see what I'm saying? So the, I see, I see. The, it's not a, a, a yes or no way that I can answer the question. It's going to depend on the numbers. Does that make sense? And since you Thank haven't you so even much. done yeah, you haven't done this a full year, you don't even know where you're gonna be. I would just kind of wait right. and get that first year under my belt to see where you where you're at. And then at that point, I would say, you know, if it makes sense, go ahead and file for that S Corp election. That makes perfect sense, JT. And I really do appreciate any any uh, second you, you spend uh answering my question. Uh but hey, man, you have a good good night out there, and uh, we we do appreciate you. And, uh, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad I can help. I'm I'm glad I can help, man. Thank you. You can call back anytime. All right. Hey, man, you have a good night. All right, all right. So we got caller from two four eight. Caller from two four eight. Give me one second. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm hitting all the super chats. Uh, oh, okay. Here's the super chat real quick from uh, Shonda King. Thank you, Shonda. It's uh, she's asking, should I take out a home equity loan to pay for upgrades 
or save the cash. All right. So I have to assume when you say pay for upgrades, you're saying that you need certain repairs for your home. There's certain things in your home that you need to uh, uh, fix and repair, right? So I'm, I'm operating based off that. If I'm wrong, put it in the chat. You don't have to super chat me more. But if I'm wrong, kind of let me know. But this, based on the way that you're asking the question, this is what I'm assuming. You're paying for upgrades on the home. Should you take out a home equity line of credit? Based on the way that the rates are going now, I would probably have to say no. Also, our, our save cash, I mean, save the cash to go ahead and pay that off. I would honestly, I would say save the cash. I'm isolated. I don't know how much debt that you have. I don't know how much of an emergency savings fund that you have. There's so many variables that I do not know. But if I take this question at face value, I would say save up the cash, save up the cash and pay for the repairs. That's what I would say. I would not say go deeper into debt, risk your home now, because now you owe more on your home. Whatever your pain is going to be more, you're risking your home for the repairs. Suck it up, save the cash and pay for the repairs. All right, I got uh, area code 248, you're coming up, and area code 863, you are next. So area code 248, you are live with Pocket Watching with JT. Oh, you just, they just dropped. Hey, I didn't hang up on you. You dropped. If you want to come back, come back. But let me get area code uh, 863. Area code 863, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. What's your name and where you calling from? Uh, my name is Darius. Coming, calling from uh, Tampa, Florida. All right. All right. How can I help you? What we're we talking about tonight? All right. I'm trying to figure out. Does it make sense for me to do a refi or just stand still? All right. Well, my let, current rate. Let's talk about I'm, it. All right. What's your current? Your, what's your current rate? My current rate that I'm at now is like a. 3.5. Okay. And what's your payment uh, right now? The house is, I'm at like 1050, $1,050. Okay. All right. And why and why would, would you want to why would you want to refinance? Cuz obviously you'd probably you're going to be refinancing at a higher rate. Right? You're not Correct. refinancing now at a that, lower yeah. rate. Nope. Yeah. Well, actually, what I was thinking about was trying to, I guess, trying to get some of the money out of out for the, from the equity. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? And, why? Why? Well, do, this is the quote. Why do you need this money? Um. Uh, well, my plan was to actually pay off uh, my credit cards and also pay off my vehicle. How much in credit card debt are you in? Uh, roughly about ten thousand. 10K. And what what about the vehicle? And how much how much is the vehicle? About 19,000. What are the payments on the car? The car I pay about it's, it's about 450 but I pay about 50. I mean uh 500 All right. Uh, is this is this what type of car is this? Is this new car, used car? What what are we talking about? Uh, it's a used car, 2017 uh, Ram truck. Okay. And the credit card debt, what, what were you buying on this credit card? Was it just personal use stuff? What, what were we using the credit card for? 
Yes. One of it's two credit cards. One is just what I use daily and just pay on it every month. The other one was is a care credit. Basically they have some dental work done. Gotcha. But I got that about five or whatever. I think that's about five five grand, but that's at a zero percent interest. That's yeah, that's, that's some type of promotion that I that's somewhat of a good on. one. Okay. All right. Now, a couple other questions I gotta and, ask uh, to get to get uh a mindset of how 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 I should give you a tip. So how much do you have saved up in cash? Close to maybe around a couple grand. You say couple. We're talking about two, $2,000. Two, correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you got about $2,000 saved up. What's your monthly expenses? Roughly. Yeah, roughly, I'll say close to around four, four okay. grand a month. Uh, and are you a single income home? Or are you two income home? Single. All right. So you know, you know what we talk about here at Pocket Watching with JT, emergency savings fund. You're oh, going to yeah. need six. You need six months, right? You need six months. So we're talking about twenty four thousand dollars is what you should have saved up in an emergency savings fund. And people, I know that number sounds high to a lot of y'all, but it is what it is. That's just how the math goes. This is what they teach us. All right, you need six months. So we're talking about $24,000. You're $22,000 short. Okay. Okay. Now here's the other catch. All right. With that refi, I was going to pull out 12 grand. Mm -hmm. And, but this, this is what I was kind of getting caught up on because my payment would go from 1050 to 1450, but I wouldn't have any more debt Equity. going out. I'll be debt free. You'll be, you be debt free. But here, here's my issue, man. I'm not, I, I am not a fan of converting non-collateralized debt. And that's what the credit card is. The credit, the credit card is non-collateralized debt. Converting that and pulling it over into your home. Not a fan of that. They teach us not to do that. Now, if it's a business, it's a little different. But talking about personal debt like that, I, I'm not a fan of that. So it, it as far as your credit card debt, I would not pull the credit card debt into the home. W wouldn't do it. Okay. Wouldn't do it. Now, this car, okay. let's talk about this truck. Why Why do you mm -hmm. feel as if it, it, it's a good move to convert a car loan debt into a housing debt? Why do you think that's a good move? Uh, well, I didn't know which way or the other. That's okay. Kind of. Trying to get some guidance. All right, no, no, that's cool. All right, so so here's here's the thing on this. Your car. You need this car, obviously. I'm thinking to go to work, right? I mean, to be able to work and do the things that you do, the way you make your money, it's not as if you can walk to work. Correct. And Ubering Correct. to work every day would cost you too much. All right, but you only right. have two thousand dollars in savings. So my question, my next question has to be, how much money do you have left at the end of the month? You have X amount of money that comes in from your paycheck. You have your $4,000 that you say you pay for monthly bills. What's left after you pay the $4,000 for your monthly bills? Well, when I said the $4,000, i am actually adding about $500 that I'm putting up a month. That's that's cool. I'll take that. that. All right, all right. But still, what's left? actually just started moving like that all right so what's left um 
I say close to what, maybe five, six hundred bucks a month. All right. So if we count your after I pay out everything, yeah. So if we count the five hundred savings, you're talking about around a thousand to eleven hundred dollars that you have left at the end of the month after you pay your debt obligations mm -hmm. and utility bills, all that stuff. You have about eleven hundred dollars left. Five hundred of it you put into savings, right? Mm -hmm. All right. right. What the number one thing you need to do? You need to get your emergency savings fund up. Okay. Do that on your own. Okay. Do it with the $1,100 that you have, right? So we're talking about within the next, what, 20 something months, you know, you should be all the way up there, right? So that's, that should be your number one priority. I, I wouldn't suggest that you take out the, uh, you refi. I don't want your rate going up. And I also don't want your, uh, your mortgage payment going up, not when we're headed towards a recession, which most uh, economists will tell you we're headed towards a recession. I don't want to put that extra okay. burden on you when you possibly could get laid off. We don't know what's going to happen. So I, I wouldn't say that. Your focus needs to be paying uh, I mean, getting your emergency savings fund up, number one, by putting the $1,100 over there every month. Now, this credit card debt, have you, you know, talked to, to the credit card company to see if you can make a settlement payment on it? I have not. Okay. That is something I would suggest to do. And when it comes to this car, too, how much do you love this truck? Because, you know, you're paying $500 a month. It costs, you know, it's, you know, costing you, it's $19,000 left in it. I mean, it's a 2017. I mean, could you uh -huh. sell this car, get rid of this $500 payment and buy just, you know, some used car for like $2,000, $3,000? Is that something you could do? Yes. Right. Because it, it is, we got to think big picture long term. I'm sure the, the truck mm -hmm. is fine. It gets you where you need to go. But you, you know, with nineteen thousand dollars worth of debt, and you don't have any emergency savings fund, if you could sell this car, take around three to four thousand dollars, and just buy a beater, it can. I mean, I'm not talking about it's got to be just an ugly car. It can be clean. But right now, your transportation in your life needs to be getting me from home to work to the grocery store and back. It's not a luxury item. It's for utility. Your transportation right now in your life with the debt that you have and stuff, it should be for utility. You have the option to go ahead and just sell this car, totally get rid of a $500. I know it was $450, but you pushed it up to $500. A $500 a month debt mm -hmm. obligation and just buy something that runs good for the next two, two to three years. If you can squeeze two, two and a half, maybe three years out of a beater for three or $4,000, it's worth it at the end of the day because $19,000 is off your back. $500 a month payment is off your back. And now you actually have the wiggle room that you need to have a better budget, build up the emergency savings fund and pay down this debt. Based on the info that you gave okay. me, you probably got a better option to try to negotiate these credit card payments down, sell the truck, get a beater, 
just for the time being until you put yourself in a situation where the next car you buy, you still buy it in cash, but it's a, you know, it's an upgraded car. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you're impressing by what you drive. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be seen driving a beater and have an emergency savings fund. All my bills are paid and I don't feel the crush of debt on my back. Who cares what I drive? Doesn't matter. You gotcha. All right. So that based on what you told me, I would not. Yeah. Based on what you're saying, I would not refi. Not in this uh, economic situation. I I wouldn't do it. Rates are going up. Uh, A recession is coming. I wouldn't. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't do it. You got to make sure your home is secure. Okay. My man. Appreciate it, man. You got it. Anytime, bro. Yes, sir. All right. All right. We got a caller. It looked like Chicago. From uh, let me see here, seven seven zero caller from seven seven zero. I believe that's Chi Town. Uh, can you hear me? Let me make sure I put bring you up. Let me see. Give me one second. All right, seven seven zero. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. What is your name and where are you calling okay. from? I am, my name is Lisa and I'm calling from Georgia. Lisa from Georgia. And- All right. How yes. can I how can Thank I help you for you? taking my call? Oh, absolutely. How can I help you? Yes. So I am 40, um, not married, no kids. Mm-hmm. And I currently have student loans totaling about sixty-five thousand. And um other than that, my only debt is my mortgage. Um, I do contribute to my 401k, okay. and there's currently about ninety-five thousand in that and I contribute about um, 900 total a month split between Roth 401k and pre-tax 401k. Okay. Um, So whenever I've been getting like just extra money here and there, whether it's bonuses or overtime or whatever, I've been putting it towards my student loans. So I want to know if you think it's better to contribute any extra I have to student loans like I have been doing mm-hmm. or put that to my 401k. Okay. And what, what was it? How much money do you have in savings? I know I, I see how much that you have in retirement, um, but in savings, emergency mm-hmm. savings. Uh, I have uh, about 11 in a CD um, that I bought like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And that is at three point something percent. Oh, that's good. Um, you got that. You I, got that locked in a long time ago. Yes, <laughs> I did the max. <laughs> right, you got you got that locked in a long time ago. Okay, all right. And yeah. eleven thousand dollars that would last you how many months if you needed to use this money if you had mm. no income coming in? I would say I can make it last roughly four five months. All right, that's close. That's good. You know, I'm you know, obviously you know, you know, we want six, but that's close. That's good. That's decent. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so here we go. Okay. Based on the information you're giving me, I want to know Oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. Is mm-hmm. there something else? Actually, I should probably add um I do have um some employee stock or it's like um restricted stock units that uh-huh. my employer gifted me. That is probably about four thousand, 
And then I have around 14000 in a brokerage account that, um, like a private brokerage account. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not in a retirement account. Okay. It's what, if you cash out right yeah. now, you have capital. Do you know how much in capital gains that is? Because the balance is saying fourteen. Mm-hmm. but what would your... I mean, right. you don't have, yeah, because the question is, yeah, how much did you contribute to it? Because, you know, that's what you're going to be taxed mm-hmm. on, the growth, not the total amount. Um, Half of it is capital gains. Okay. All right. So about seven. So you put seven in and it's doubled, basically. Right. Okay. Right. So you'd have a tax obligation of around uh, $7,000 of long-term, it sounds like this would be long-term capital gains. It is. Okay. Right. If I were to cash it out. If yeah. you were to cash it out, and I'm assuming you make more than thirty thousand dollars a year. Yes. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Around seventy, roughly. Okay. And the reason the reason why I ask that for people who are unaware, when it comes to capital gain tax, long term, not short term, long term, long mm-hmm. long term capital gain is taxed basically in three different tax brackets. There is a 0%, which is great if you can get it. There's a 0%, there's a 15%, and then there is a 20%. Going off the top of my head, uh, 0% is around like $30,000. If you make like $30,000 or less, long-term capital gains, you would tax basically zero on that. If you're between you know, 30 going up to around 200 and something, maybe 300 off the top of my head, you're in the 15. When you're over that 300-ish plus, you're getting taxed 20. So your tax on that would be around the 15%. So you'd be taxed 15% on that $7,000 capital gain. So that's that's why I asked that question. Okay. So looking at this, I would say it would make more sense for you probably to take that 14 and go towards your student loan debt. And the reason why is we have until August where all of it will go towards principal. You don't have to worry about interest right now. Okay. Right. All of it would go towards uh principal, which is good. Then I have to ask the question percentage wise, because I'm assuming that your mm-hmm. employer is matching a certain percentage of your retirement savings. Is that correct? Uh, Well, they contribute for every dollar I put in, they'll contribute 48 cents, but it's up to the max. They do a hundred percent. Okay. So So, it's not like, yeah, I could put in, I think 20,500. Right. 20,500. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they would match it all. Okay. All right. So, I would say, I mean, honestly, because of the fact that there's no interest on the student loan, Mm -hmm. man, I mean. Well, I do have some private student loans, too. Oh, okay. Um, So it's split between private and then the ones that are currently 0%. All right. How are you attacking that? Because you need to be attacking the ones that are private first. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I've been doing. And how how much of that? So how much of the uh, sixty five thousand is private? Mm, probably around forty five. Okay. I would say even though I mean you got you got the money in the brokerage account, 
but you got a nice amount of money in the retirement account. I would say it's probably would be smarter for you to go ahead and take that money from the brokerage account to help pay down the private student loan debt. Okay. Cause based on the money that you're making and based, based on the amount of money that you're contributing, you'll be able to build this back up. Remember, no matter what the situation is, it makes more sense for you to be the bank in whatever situation you're, you're mm. dealing with. It makes more sense to pay okay. off or pay down that debt and simply pay yourself back at zero interest because interest is the thing that will kill you at the end of the day. So I would say, mm. you know, use the brokerage account, go ahead and pay down a chunk of that. A uh, private student loan that maybe, not guaranteed, maybe scale back a little bit when it comes to the amount that you're contributing towards retirement. Make sure you get the match, but anything extra needs to go to the student loan debt. Just get rid of the student loan debt as soon as possible, and then you can get back on track uh. without the debt obligations with the student loan debt to just keep funding and keep funding your retirement. Okay, so okay, so I I don't have enough income to actually max out my four hundred one k. Like I don't make enough to put that whole twenty. Okay, twenty thousand five hundred. Yeah. So, but I can I can do a little more than I'm doing, but I'm doing roughly nine hundred a month. Okay. Um. So, and I only have ninety five thousand, and I'm forty. So, you still recommend paying off? private student loan i mean the, the, the yeah the they, private because even even if uncle biden you know waves his wand and gets rid of the student loan debt it's not going to be your private loan right no so no. you don't want that hanging over your head so at least the private mm -hmm. i would say be extremely aggressive in paying off the private student loan debt you can have this private student loan debt paid off within conservatively, you can have it paid off within the next 18 months. Conservatively, you can have it paid off. Yeah. And in 18 yeah. months, you'll no longer have the private student loan debt. Based on your income, you're probably in the range of, based on what I'm reading, this is no guarantee, but mm -hmm. based on what I'm reading, if there is a mass student loan debt uh, forgiveness, I mean, obviously it's not going to be 100%. Let's say they do $10,000. You seem as if you might qualify for it based on your income. So that'll help you okay. on your road. But I would say you need to be aggressive on getting rid of this private student loan debt. 40, I mean, you you, you make okay. yourself sound like 40 is like old. Okay, 40, 40 is not old, okay? You have another, what, almost 30 years of work that you can do based on your labor. You can make this back yeah. up and you'll be able to make it back up better without this debt hanging around your neck. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's what okay. I, that's what I would I do. guess my, yeah, I was just afraid of losing like that match with my 401k. So that's why I've been focused more on no, and that. I, and so I understand. That's why I'm saying that you know, that's yeah. a secondary thing. It's secondary. Mm -hmm. But as far as that brokerage account, I would use that any type of side hustle or anything else that you can do. Be extremely mm -hmm. aggressive in paying down that private student loan debt. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I All appreciate right. it. You are welcome. All, All right. right, people. All right, people. We got a couple more calls out. I'm almost. Oh my God. Let me see. Okay. I'm over an hour. So I'm going to do these. I'm going for another maximum of 30 minutes. Max is 30 minutes and I'm long winded. So I'm going to use most of this time talking. So just be prepared. But if you call him, you better call up now and get within these 30 minutes. Let me read the super chats though, because I don't want to miss the super chats. We got um, Julio says, hell now rates are uh, five and going up. Get to HELOC. I I don't know, man. It's just that you don't want to add to, you don't want to add to the burden of your housing debt when we're on the edge of a recession. That's what I'm saying. Everybody's situation is different and unique, but man, I just don't, I don't want to add to my housing costs when there's no guarantee, right? There's no guarantee that I got a job waiting on me. All right. So I got caller from 678 area code, caller from 678 area code. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Sean. I'm calling from Georgia. All right. How can I help you? So I got a question. Um, I am 49. Okay. Uh, getting close to retirement. Okay. Well, I got some years for retirement. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like, what, when, when are you going to retire? You going to retire when you 50 or 65? Well, no, I'm going to retire at 60, 65. Okay. But the question is, is that uh, I got a late start with retirement. Okay. I don't have uh, maybe about 30000 in my 457. Okay. So you work for a nonprofit? I work for a government entity. A government entity. Okay. Like a, a, a local government. Gotcha. Municipality. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... Based on that, me getting a late start, I'm currently maxing out my 457. Okay. Uh, I'm maxing. I started in 2020 with maxing out. And because I got the uh, catch-up clause, uh, I guess uh, it's 27000 for yeah, that sounds, when you turn 50. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm going off the top of my head and I'm tired, but that sounds about right. So for those of you who are unaware, yeah. uh, when you get... 50, right? When you're around 50, the the IRS code allows you to contribute more than people who are under 50. And that's exactly what it's referred to as the catch-up, the catch-up amount. Okay. All right. So you got the 457B and you are uh, contributing the max. All right. What are your concerns? My concern is I'm renting right now. I want to buy a house. And I want to know, does it make sense to back off retirement a little bit to put up money for the house versus just continue maxing out to catch up? Because based on the metrics that I've looked at online, mm-hmm. I'm pretty far behind on retirement savings. I got so, you. But I do want to go ahead and, and get in the house, not at the moment, but I know with us being on the, I guess, on the cusp of a recession that, you know, prices may go down i don't know but if they do i want to have enough cash reserve to put down on the house and maybe i don't know uh i hear if you put 20 percent down get a conventional loan you're not able to uh have to pay the pmi and doing a 15 year i know that could be difficult but 
I would like to have at least a nice nest egg to put down on a house mm-hmm. within a few years. All right. All right, but so I, I don't, I don't want to take away from the retirement either. I got you. I got you. I got a couple of questions for you. Okay. All right. Why do you want to own a house? Oh well, I think that's just a way of uh, building, uh, building my wealth. Uh, you build it through real estate. You can build it through, you know, other, other purposes. But that was just one of the ways that I felt like, you know, just having a a a place to stay and you know a place to call your own no and i and, and no I, I i understand that it makes sense but there's a couple of things that we want to kind of put in place right right if you were to get a 30-year conventional loan you would have this mm-hmm. house paid off when you're roughly around 80 years old right okay what is i mean just based on your family history, what's your life expectancy? Because the average black man in America, your, your life expectancy, I doubt, is 85. Is probably lower than that, if I had to assume. Oh, I mean, I'm fairly healthy. I'm, right. I feel like I never had health problems. Uh, I do have a long uh health that runs in my family okay so, so mean, let's I, say I, I'm let's say you let, yeah so let's say you make it you make it to 100 right let's say you make it to 100 okay you make it to 100 mm-hmm. that means for 20 years of your life you would have a paid off home right okay all, all right, right. You're, you're married uh do you have kids uh yes are your kids uh, adults or are they still in the house no, he's 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 still he's thirteen. Okay, he's thirteen. Because and the, and here's the reason why I'm asking that question. While owning a home is a major piece in building wealth, you're concerned about starting late in your retirement savings, right? Understand right. this home that you're buying. That's going to be your home probably for the rest of your life. Unless you're doing a right. bunch of different moves and doing that other thing. This is going to be the home for the rest of your life. And if it's your home for the rest of your life, the question I got to ask is, do you even expect that in retirement you want to live in the area where you'll buy a home in the next five years? Because a lot of people move when they retire. That is pl- true. Yeah. Do you um, plan on retiring where you are right now? Or are you going down south? Well, I, I don't plan on moving. I, I mean, if anything, uh, I, I plan on purchasing a home that would suit my life in retirement. Okay. So right. that's what I, I, I don't hear. think I'm going to get anything too big or, you know, okay. something I can, this manageable. Okay. All right, that that makes sense. Okay, I just want to make sure because I'm a, I'm a big believer in owning owning a home, but when you're in the later stages of your life, I'm not a big believer in having a mortgage in retirement because it it, it can become a burden that you most people can't handle in retirement. What what I see far too mm-hmm. often is that the house is is lost. Either you have to do like a reverse mortgage or you it just straight up gets foreclosed on when you have that big debt burden of a house 
later in life, unless you transition it and the your, your, your son ends up taking it over and making the payments for you and living there with you. That's a different situation. It's just that that's why I'm asking these questions, because while home ownership is a huge part about building wealth, it may not be the best situation for every individual when you feel as if you are kind of behind the eight ball with saving for retirement. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. here's the things that I will say. I mean, because your, your main question is about continuing to fully uh, fully fund your retirement account. Or should you pull back a little bit for potential home buying? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, also, I do have a, a small pension that's going to be with this job as well. Okay, yeah. So I was, not I was only I have my retire, I'm thinking about the retirement, the pension, and my Social Security. I'm like, well, if I take maybe some back from the 457, put that toward cash for a house or mm-hmm. just savings for a house, I mean, does that make sense or should I just continue to max it out so I can have? you know, I guess a healthy nest egg for retirement. If home ownership in the area that you plan on buying a house within the next two to three years is, you know, that house is going to be the home that you're going to retire in, then I would say, okay, go ahead and put some money off to the side for the down payment that you know that you're going to need. Because at the end of the day, your retirement is what you make it, make of it. And if for you, retirement mm-hmm. means that you are a homeowner, even if you feel as if you're a little far, farther behind the eight ball when it comes to saving for retirement, your retirement mm-hmm. has to be what the dream that you you make out of it. So I would say, listen, there probably are going to be some real estate deals for those who have great credit and enough money for either a down payment or the, the ability to buy the house in full. So if that's a part of your mm-hmm. overall plan, I would say, yeah, go ahead and start putting some money off to the side. But just know, too, you can pull out money early from the retirement account for a down payment and avoid the penalty. You can pull up. I pull out like $10,000 from the retirement account for the down payment of the house. And you won't be penalized for taking that out early. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So just just know that. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that you don't think that doing that, um, I guess my whole deal is I, I want to just make sure I have enough for retirement. No, so I, I don't want. And your issue is to take away from that either. Yeah. Your, your issue is you got opportunity cost here. You can't do both, right. and, and, and at the same time, you can't. You know, you can't have the house and fully fund the retirement account. So there's some trade-off here. So if you're calling me up asking me if you save money for the house, are you losing a little bit of gain from putting money into retirement? Then yeah, the answer is yes, you will be. But it's your life Mm -hmm. and you got to make the decision on is home ownership in this stage of your life important enough for you to lose a little bit of ground on your retirement saving, but then you have the house. Right. So it, it, right. it comes think, down to what you want you retirement to be. Don't you think that makes sense to own a house once you retire? To have, at least I have a house you... Yeah, I mean, but your you your own? issue your issue is if you do a 30-year conventional, you won't have it paid off till you're 80. So you'll have a mortgage in retirement. Right. 
That's that's the only well, that's the only question that I'm early. throwing out. Yeah, that's the that's the only thing yeah, that I, I'm throwing I, out. I mean, yeah, I would try to pay it off early. I mean, if if I can necessarily get a terms of a thirty and, and pay it off in a in a shorter amount of and time. Fifteen, then yeah. I just I'm I'm just yeah, not a huge fan plan. of having that debt in retirement unless you have enough money to do it. And like you said, you are concerned if you will have enough money to do it. That's the that's the only question that I got out there. But I would honestly say, you know, moving forward, I would say find a black CFP in your area to sit down and have a more in-depth conversation where they can really look at your budget, look at the financials, and they can map out a plan to help you achieve the goals that you have. I'm just posing these questions to you for you to think about your priorities. What do you really want out of life? Because you get this one life, right? I, I I don't believe in reincarnation. I haven't seen any proof of it, so I can't I can't say that reincarnation is a real thing. You got you're you're almost fifty years old. Mm -hmm. You got to ask yourself the questions: What do you want out of the rest of the life that you have, and what do you want to be able to provide to the ones that you love the most? And if owning a home gotcha. achieves that then you go with that. If owning a home doesn't achieve those goals, then you don't then you don't do it. You don't own a home just to be able to say you own a home. You own a home because it's a part of a strategic financial plan. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just giving you I'm just want you to think about it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I got it's got to be a home. It's got to be a home that you can me. afford. It got it's got to make sense. Right. If you're if you're paying the same right. or more for rent, then yes, it makes sense. I don't want you buying a McMansion and end up being foreclosed when you're 78 years old. That that's the point that I'm trying. No, nah, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. Okay, I all got right. you. Yeah. But yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I said. Well, hey man, I, I appreciate it. All right, thank yeah. you for calling up. Thank you, thank you. All right, all right, hey man, you have a great show, man. I appreciate what you do. <laughs> thank you, man. I, I'm working on it, people. I'm working on it. Thank you so much. All right, people, we got about three or four people back here. So I'm going to try to get through all of y'all. Oh, my God, I almost at my time. Break. I'm going to try to get through all of y'all. I got, I got a little time left here. So call it from 334. You're next. 334, you are next. Here we go. Hi, good evening, sir. Um, I guess my question is my mom was telling me something about because I have a house now mm -hmm. and I'm trying to pay off student debts. Uh, my student debt is 28000 one hundred and ninety-three dollars. My that's my student loans. Okay. Um, the house is one hundred and ten thousand, roughly, and those are those are my debts. The credit card debt has been is being paid off. And my mom was telling me something about paying on my mortgage and then paying the interest within the next month, but not at the same time. Is that a true thing to get the house payments down or paying off the house? Quicker. I'm sorry. Say that again. She's your mother advised you to do what exactly with your mortgage payments? To pay the mortgage payment right. and then pay on the interest within the same month, but not at the same time. It 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 doesn't really make a difference. I mean, if you if you pay it at the same time or you pay it separately, they're going to see the payment coming in <laughs> in the same month. So whatever amount of money oh. that you paid that is beyond what they see as your mortgage payment for that month. The the overage is going to go towards the uh, go go towards the principal. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if that you split sense. the baby or you do it all at one time. Whatever amount of money that you're giving them that's above your stated mortgage payment, that extra money will go towards your principal. Okay. So it doesn't matter if I pay more the mortgage at the first of the month. No. It should. No. No. If it's within the billing cycle. 
the overage should go towards principal. Okay, right on. Okay. Is, all right. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. <laughs> you are welcome. That was an easy one. Thank you. You have a great night. You too. All right. All right. So we got caller from 678. Caller from 678. You are up. Can you hear me? I put me on mute. I, I hate the sound of my voice. But make sure you put me on mute. Caller yeah, from 678. Can you hear me? All right. I got I got I got to put you I got to put you on pause. I'll come back to you. Everybody who's on hold right now. If you're listening to me right now on a device, you could go ahead and put me on mute because I know you can hear me through the phone. So listen to me through the phone when you're on the hold line. So I'm going to pull up caller uh, from 323. Caller from 323, you're coming up. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Reginald. I'm from uh, Los Angeles. Yes, sir. How can so, I help you? Uh, I have... Uh, I have like a stable job. Okay. And I've been getting a lot of income. Um I like I'm debt free. Congratulations. Uh, how how does that feel to be debt free? How does that feel? It, it feels amazing. <laughs> like right. uh like you're a free I'm man. Like you you you're, you're like no longer a slave. You're, you're a free man. You have no debt. Yeah. Congratulations. I want more people to feel the way that you feel. All right, so let's get to the meat of it. How can I help you? Sure. So from uh, like my college days, I had got tied up in credit cards and mm -hmm. like got scammed and it um, messed up my credit score. Mm -hmm. And it's like for here, it's like I have like enough like uh, money to actually like buy stuff or like uh, move into like a new place but it's like they still like the credit score still does a damage and I want to like is this like what's the best way I can actually build upon getting uh, my credit score up like should I buy like is there anything I should actually try to buy well, well, um, that would help that when, when you pull grow? when you pull your credit score what do you see like, um, see, like, 642. No, no, I'm saying, what are you, I, I'm sorry, I said score. When oh. you look at your credit oh. report, that's oh. what I should have said. When you look at your credit yeah. report, so, okay. what are you so, seeing? What's the negative things on your credit report? It's, um, like, delinquencies um, for, like, payments and um, canceling credit, um, canceling credit cards. All right. So you got, and so these these credit cards are charged off. I'm assuming, right? Yes. All right. So at this point, the credit cards are all charged off, but they're they're they have a negative impact on your uh, overall credit score. Yes. But but you have no debt. No, none. Okay. Have you reached out to? The credit. I mean, at what point are the? Because you can, you should be able to see on your credit report at what point these discharged debts should be able to fall off the credit score. Like, if I say mostly 
uh, would use like Experian, um, and they kind of just give me like just a general basis on what I'm getting, but never really like um, the main problem because I know I think at first um, my credit score had dropped because at a moment I was um, creating too many. Uh, well, applying for too many cards at one point, which I never knew was a um, bad thing. Yeah, so th those are inquiries that these um, card companies, are, th these credit card companies are making on your account. So when you apply for credit, that does hit you with a ding. So there's a soft inquiry and there's hard inquiries. A soft inquiry is not going to make a major ding on your credit the hard ones will. Now, after a certain amount of time, it will come off. So you need to be extremely selective on who you are allowing to hit your credit card, I mean, hit your credit report with hard inquiries, okay? Okay. All right, all right. so at this point, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you're trying to see that credit score go up, you wanna make sure that you are, uh, letting any potential uh, credit card that you'll get, let them know what your income is. You got to, uh, you know, inform them what you're in because your income probably has gone up since the last time you uh, requested credit or you had all those bad debt credit cards be charged off. Uh, yes. All right. So they don't, it's like the, your score is not reflecting your current income. So when you do get new credit cards, if that's the, the move you're going to make, you know, when you're applying, make sure that they are aware of the uh, your current income and then make sure that you are utilizing this credit card, uh, paying the credit, uh, you know, credit card off at the end of the billing cycle. Don't carry balances. But the other question I got to ask is, OK, your, your credit score is down. What are you trying to buy on credit? You're out of debt. Why are you trying to get back into debt? Yeah. Well, I'm not really trying to get back into it. I just want like the score to be up, uh, because I know like uh, so I can get like those um, credit score perks where they have like those great scores. So it's just more about just increasing the score. Um, yeah, I feel you, but at the, at the end of the day, the credit scores for people who are trying to get into debt, who needs the, who need the uh, uh, a loan to be able to leverage to buy something that they want, right? I wouldn't stress out too much. I mean, you, you, you're out of debt. You're not trying to get back into debt. Your credit score is probably, I mean, how long, how long has it been since that last credit card been charged off? Uh, I'll say... Like it's about maybe March of 2021. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I mean, if you give it three to four years of, you know, your credit score is going to jump up. You got to give it some time, right? Don't, don't be in a rush to try to get uh, uh credit card perks. You just got out of debt. You're like some, you know, the best way I can describe this to make it sink in. Imagine you were an alcoholic. Okay. You you are an alcoholic and you just got sober. And you're calling me, your sponsor, 
talking about you're kind of interested at working at a bar because they got good health benefits. You see what I'm saying here? Like, like I understand the perks of the credit cards and stuff like that, but you're freshly out of debt. You just got out of debt. I, I can't even trust you to be able to use the cards and manage them properly because you, you just got out of debt, you know, less than a year, you know, about a year and a half ago. So take it slow. Enjoy the fact that you're not in debt. If you want to buy something, pay for it in cash. The perks that these credit cards are offering you is not worth you getting sucked back into the debt cycle. So forget about the cards for right now. Your score is going to jump up in the next three to five years anyway. But in the short term, forget about the cards. They don't matter. Okay. All right. All right thanks. All right. You have a good one. All right, I got caller from 248. Caller from 248. You are going to be coming up here shortly. Let me see here. Caller from, oh, I, I hit the wrong one. I got caller 206. Caller from 206. You're live with Pocket Watching with JT. How can I help you? Okay, so it's more of a can I afford to do this thing more than like buy something. Nice, so, cool. Let's do it. I, I want to. Okay, so um, I already I just graduated in December of 2021 with my bachelor's degree. Uh, Congratulations! I have. Oh, uh, kind of. <laughs> uh, I have. <laughs> I have fifty thousand dollars in student loans, and. I only went to school because my parents told me to. And so now I have this degree that I really don't want to use. Ain't, I'm not going to use it. And so now I want to go back to school and get my aesthetics license, get my certification in astrology and become a licensed esthetician. But that's going to cost me another roughly $12,000 and I got approved for seven thousand dollars and seven thousand dollars of that of that amount in loan. So I have to pay the other half portion out of pocket. But I know I'm not going to use my degree. I got a degree in applied business applied business management with a concentration in project management, and I'm just not going to use it. All right, well, here's the deal. I, I, I want to point out a couple of things. Point number one, does it matter if you're going to use it or not? You're still stuck with this debt, right? So it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. Now, I believe you do have an opportunity to use it in a particular sense, right? Even though you probably aren't going to be employed based off the degree that you have, when you're going to be an... Uh, Pronounce that to me, esthetician. That, that's uh, dealing with like cosmetic stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Are you going yes, to be? Yeah. Right. Are you going to be uh, employed, or do you plan on becoming self-employed at some point with this new skill set? So, of course, when I start out, I don't want to like dive in over my head. So, I, of course, you got to get the first. you got to get the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I plan to start out working for a, a, a cosmetic office or in some type of 
cosmetic setting, but the goal is to initially open up my own cosmetic spa. And okay, so there so, you go. So this is what I want you to do. Mentally, I you got to switch from thinking that this degree that you got is useless because as long as you think that it's useless, you're not going to be motivated to pay the debt that you're going to have to pay regardless. Okay. Well, I, no, I'm, I'm going to pay it regardless because I, I can't have that hit in my credit. I know. I, know. I just want I you mentally, I want you to kind of change the way you look at it because if you plan okay. on being self-employed at some point, I'm telling you the education that you got in business is going to help you. Even though you're not putting it on a resume and it's helping you get a job, the business experience and the business education that you got is going to ultimately help you moving forward, starting your own cosmetic business. Okay. Yeah. So yes. don't worry about that. Yes. Obviously you make the payments, but just know it is going to make you a better business on like, if you compare yourself and someone else with without the business education that you already have, when you graduate from this program, if you both were to start your own businesses, you would be more successful than the other person. Okay. Okay. All right. I so just that. yeah, just think of it that way. Now, when it comes to uh, going to school and pay, how much can you realistically make in your first year after you graduate from this program? So really, it's all going to depend on like my clientele, the services that I offer, the place of my services. And I'm I'm really honestly starting off like fresh. I won't have any clients. I'll, I, I mean, I have I already do makeup and I'm, I have a lot of like clientele from there. So I, I can't say that I do have a lot of people already willing to support me now. So, I mean, there can be a lot of money made. There can be a lot of money made in the various various different services that can be offered. So, and I plan to do a lot. I'm I'm really talented, and I'm going all the way in, and I'm gonna invest invest a lot into my further education and just getting more certifications. So, and offering more services. So, I'm 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 all the way 100% like ready to jump in. All right, so so so. So I can't. I don't have. A, I don't have. A, so I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer to your question. Okay. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. You need. You need to. You need to get. You need to get an answer to to the question. You need to do some research and figure out what does an entry level person within your industry with the education that you're going to have. What do they get? How much money do they make? You need to have that known because that should be something that you're using to understand if taking on this debt makes sense or not. So I thought about creating a business plan. Do you think that that's something that I should do? I'm sorry, say that one more time. I thought about creating a business plan. Do you think that that's something I should do? Oh, absolutely. You need, I mean, obviously when you get to the point after a couple of years working for someone, you're going to need that business plan, but yeah, you need to have that business plan. But once, once again, what you need to do first, you need to figure out what does a person who graduates from this program, even the, the, the thing about educational programs, they're supposed to actually have this information for you. They should be able to tell you people who normally graduate from this program, they give a, they make X amount of money. Now, a lot of educational programs will lie to you. So 
<laughs> they will cherry pick right. the numbers that make the most sense. But at least right. you have a starting point to understand, okay, this program costs $12,000. The average person who graduates from this program who works within the industry, they make $30,000 a year. That will give you at least a starting point. So that's what I would suggest for you to do if it makes sense. Meaning if you're able to make around two times within a year, two times what the debt is that you're paying for this education, then it's a it's a good buy. It's a good go. You do it. You go ahead and do it. That makes sense. But if you know the average person is only making maybe, uh, you know, Fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year because you know half the year they don't work; they only work half the year. Stuff like that. If it's like that, then it doesn't make sense. But you know, don't worry about the no, the, the degree that you got. You can't turn back the hands of time. Just move forward, act accordingly, stay positive. And if this is the career that you think is for you, like, have you even spent time like shadowing someone in this industry to see if it's for oh, you? Yeah. Yes, I have. Okay, so if you know this yes, is for right. you and it's going to make you enough money to pay for this debt and pay for the help you pay down the debt from the uh, uh, bachelor's degree that you got, then go ahead and do it. Okay, perfect. Okay, I appreciate it. I appreciate your advice. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for calling up. All right. All right. I'm going to answer. I'm going to try to do everybody here. I, I don't have a lot of time. So listen, people. I know it feels unfair. I got like three people left. And at best, you got about 10 minutes of my time. So I know it's on me. I'm the one who's talking all the time. But give me the info and I'm going to try to hit you, you know, with the most succinct answers possible. So call it from uh, area code 678. You're coming up. Hey, Hello? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Hey, just Lady T. Hey, Lady Hi. T. How you been? So, um. Oh, fine. Now, tax season's over. <laughs> All right. My question is, well, situation is, um, I am 53, mm -hmm. and I have about $78,000 on my mortgage. Mm -hmm. And when I bought the home back in 2009, the last economic downturn, mm -hmm. for 117 now the house is worth not fixing it up. It's like 250 mm -hmm. So I wanted to know... Um, well, I have a lien on my house with the homeowner association, so I can't really sell it right now. But I do need to do like major upgrades. Okay. Should I um just save up the money I have and um you know to do the major upgrades? Of course, learn to fix certain little things myself because in order for me to really, I don't know if I should just sell it because I get calls like ten times a day, messages wanting to buy the house as is. One of these, I don't know what these companies are. Oh, yeah, I, I know what they you're talking about. Here, here's the issue that I have with that if you were to sell, where would you then go? Where would you live? Well, my mother lives in South Carolina, so of course, you know, she had a house in, in New York in the Bronx, so they paid off and then has another house. So I would always have a home to go to. I don't want to buy another house in South Carolina because I know eventually. You know, my mother's like up in age, so she already told us that house will be passed down to me and my sister. Okay. But I don't want to buy another home or downgrade and buy another town home because, you know, I'm trying to leave Georgia before I turn 60 and pay off my mortgage. No, no, I'll pay off my mortgage according to the Wells Fargo calculator. I, just, I just paid my mortgage off, and they said, okay, you can finish paying this house off in 10 years. 
Okay. I already had the house for 13 years, so I could pay it. I could pay it off um, with the extra principal I make, like a hundred dollars extra towards my mortgage. So right, but if you if you if you pay off the house, are, are you planning on staying in that house for for the rest of your life? Is that your retirement plan, or is it moving no. in with your mother and helping I her? Live in this house. It's too much. It's too much for me. So either I was going to want to sell it or just turn it into a real estate um rental you property know, rent it and then move back to south carolina okay well 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 here's the thing right right now the housing market is up it's up right now and it's going to go mm -hmm. down most likely i mean i'm not i don't have a crystal ball but i have to assume at some point it's going to go down if it does go down then you're in a situation where the equity that you have built up is going to be less. So now your options and how much money you're going to make off of it is going to go down also. And you're going to probably be waiting anywhere between eight to maybe another 10 years for it to go back up to where, where it is now. Right. So and if that's the situation, then you have to make a decision on what retirement means to you, because, you know, you can sell this house and uh, pay no taxes on that money. Because you're not making over $250,000 on the sale of this home. Mm -hmm. Well, I bought this house on a downturn because I bought the house for one seventeen and it appraised at one thirty back in 2009. Right. And now the house is worth $250,000. I mean, even if it was to go down to $200,000, I still made 100000 more than what I paid for. Yeah. Yeah. The, the point mean, that I'm trying to make is you're not going to be ta paying taxes on this money. Because you're under you're under the threshold. The yeah, you're under the threshold of having to pay tax on this money because this is your primary mm -hmm. residence and you're netting not talking about the sales price, sales price. I'm talking about you're netting less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If that's the case, uh, okay. you yeah, if that's the case, this money is going to be tax free. And if ultimately your goal is to, you know, move down south and be, you know, with your mother. Then I would right now. I I'm would already check. down south. I'm in Georgia. Oh, you're in Georgia already. But <laughs> I would already. say, I would say, check and see what the you know what the offers are. Check and see what you can get on it, because right now everything's theoretical. Until you get hard numbers, you don't really have anything to play with. I would I would suggest that you check and see what the numbers are, what you can actually do if you were to sell this home, and if you were to sell the home within the next six months. Are you willing to move in with your mother? Does it make sense for you to be able to move in with your mother in the next six months? I really don't. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. Well, if that's the case, then, um, you, you, then you're going to be there for a while, right? So you really got to gotta take a look at those two main things. Number one, what are the actual offers you're getting on the home? So, you know, take a look and, you know, answer some of those phone calls and see what they're going to offer you because there's a good chance the number that they're offering you is not even worth it. So don't don't even rack your brain to try to figure out if you should do it or not. Call them up and they're probably going to shoot you a low ball number and it's not going to be worth it. And it's better just to stay where you are and pay for those repairs out of cash, because if you refi and something happens now, you, you got more debt. Just save up the cash and pay for those repairs. OK. OK, so if I had like nineteen thousand dollars in my emergency fund, basically just use that or no, no 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 i said save up new cash save up new money not your emergency oh. savings fund new money okay all right all right well i'm trying to build new money but thank you all right you are welcome thank you for calling up all right all right i got caller from 248 caller for 248 you are 
on live with Pocket Watching with JT. Hello? Yes, you're live. How can I help you? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm kind of nervous. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, I called earlier, but I kind of wanted to be prepared because I know you was closing on. I'm sorry. Uh, So I am roughly around 60K in debt collectively, mainly student loans. Nonetheless, I discovered that I had developed a passion for budget and finance prior to the outbreak, which had allowed me to pay off my auto loan, get three months ahead, and I would like to go back to school to further educate myself about finances, but I don't want to accumulate any further debt. In addition, due to my annual income being drastically low, I have strongly considered taking a slight risk and started a YouTube channel in the hopes of generating additional streams of revenue mm-hmm. rather than accumulating more debt going back to school. So I wanted to ask you what should I do? Oh, Lord. Okay. So have you took a look and and really paid attention to the, and, and run the numbers of what your additional income earning ability would be if you were to go back to school versus YouTube? Okay, so that's nothing. I'm sorry. I'm so freaking nervous. No, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry okay. about it. But then, so, so <laughs> I, because I'm, I'm somewhat short on time because the, 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 the phone system here, yeah. I only set it for a certain amount of time. So this is what I'm going to okay. give you things to think about moving forward. Okay. Okay. When it comes to going to school, getting additional education in a field that's like in STEM, things that make the most sense where you can get a better judge on how much additional money you're going to make versus YouTube, understand mm-hmm. YouTube is extremely fickle. It's I, I can't yeah. even I can't explain to you why I'm somewhat successful in YouTube. I couldn't replicate this if I did it again. Right? It's 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 a one in a million yeah. shot. Right. I've got over fifty five thousand subs thing that I've been kind of researching with right. too because I've been following you off and on for a minute and I did see your success with the channel and I'm like I want to do budget and finance. That's like literally what I want to do. And I'm just like, I'm just confused on what direction right. I should take because Good. all I do is study numbers all day too. But, and I've been looking at the analytics with taking that risk going into YouTube versus me getting into debt, going back to school and all that stuff. Knowing hypothetically speaking, the average person take about 30 plus years to retire. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Right. My, my question to you would be, what would you go back to school for? Well, I, I want to go back to further it in regards to navigating into the financial space because that's what I love. I love numbers. Okay, so. so when you say when you say the financial space, what are we, what are we talking about? Um okay, so so far I created a budget spreadsheet to further help alongst the financial space with YouTube, just using it for that in regards to, in addition, me using it to further navigate myself throughout the financial space with me, with my own personal budgeting system, again, that in which I created. So I'm kind of, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to go into business, the business side of it, further helping people with budget and finance, but 
I want to say I'm trying to use YouTube as a shortcut to 90 seconds. Okay. It, um, I mean, like I said, I don't know because I, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you because I have I, no idea. I, I got you. So, so the time is running down, but I'm going to continue to answer the question, okay. even though you, 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 the phone system was going to cut you off. But just pay attention, and if you got to rewatch the replay, watch rewatch the replay. If you're okay. trying to get into okay. finance, there are ways that you can get uh -huh. into finance without having to take on additional education when you first start out. Okay, you have the opportunity okay. mm -hmm. to get into tax preparation. You have the opportunity to get into bookkeeping. You have the opportunity okay. to uh, go and work for a like an Edwards Jones, where a lot of the education you'd be able to get on hand. Uh, I forget early in the in the conversation. Do, do you have a bachelor's degree in any uh, in any subject? Mm -mm. Okay, no. All right. So here's what I would suggest for you to do. If you're going to get into finance and you're obviously you're you know nervous about getting into debt. That's clear. I would mm -hmm. say you can work your way into finance through bookkeeping services. There's uh you don't have to go into debt. You can find uh, classes at a uh, community college, right? You can go and get classes at a community college to help you with bookkeeping services. You can get certified through companies like QuickBooks, and there's ways that you can get your foot in the door that's going to be more practical than just doing YouTube. Mm -hmm. Another thing I would suggest right. to do is maybe you can do both at the same time and your journey from zero to bookkeeping to tax preparation can be documented on YouTube, right? And then maybe yeah, that'd be the thing. Maybe that's the thing that kicked you off, but I'm telling you, YouTube is extremely fickle. Like it's it it may yeah. go and it may not go, and I'm not going to suggest yeah. that you hang your hat on being a YouTube star, right? I would say right. do something more traditional. You don't have to go deep in the debt. Like I said, bookkeeping, tax preparation, working for a company uh, within the financial services industry that is going to train you along the way. You may even get on with a company that will be willing to pay for uh, you to get a bachelor's degree. But that's the trade-off. Mm -hmm. The trade-off is you're going to be working and grinding extremely hard for that company. And you're going right. to be obligated to that company while they assist and help you get that uh get that degree so just be you know at that point you have to be a, a, a extremely hard worker you don't have the option of like, i'm gonna work for this company i'll go there it's like now you're kind of locked in for working with that company that's going to help pay for your education so and then at the same time right. you can be documenting that process through youtube does, does that make sense yeah, it makes perfect sense. That Thank that's you. that's I'm the route. Yeah, that's the route I would go. Like I was wasting your time. No, no, you're not. Thank no, you not and, at all. And I, I love the channel, and it, it just inspired <laughs> me to do more of what I'm trying to do with budget and finance as well, because that's literally right. what I'm supposed to be doing. In oh, life, and, so. and some some just hit me. So some much. real quick before you go, some just hit me. Financial coaching, okay. Financial coaching is not financial advising. To be a financial advisor right. and stuff like that, you are going to need that bachelor's degree. You are going to you know, need to be a certified financial planner if you're going to be paid to give people advice. But you can go into the industry right. of financial coaching that does not require those 
that education and those certifications. So I would also suggest to you to look up financial coaching. A great channel for you to go to on YouTube is, um, mm-hmm. oh my God, you, you know, give me one second. The, the, the brother's name is Dominique okay. uh, Henderson. If you type in Dominique okay. Henderson CFP in YouTube, he's okay. going to pop up. Hit Jumpstart. That's the name of, of his channel. His channel is Jumpstart University. And university is spelled okay. Y-O-U University. Jumpstart University. He gives great advice on people who are trying to become career changers and how you can get into the financial services industry, either you know from a traditional financial advisor side, but also in somewhat of a new field that we refer to as financial coaching. Extremely low okay. cost of education to get into financial coaching. Go check out Jumpstart University by Dominique Henderson on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. You are I'm sorry welcome. about being so nervous. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I'm not, I'm up here sweating like a dog. I had to change my shirt. I'm up here sweating <laughs> like a dog. So listen, I appreciate but everybody who so called much. in. You have a great night. Thank you so much. I appreciate everybody who called in. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, 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 I think I got one more. If I can hear you, because I think the system is down, but if I can hear you, I'm going to answer your question. So I got from area code 404. Area code 404. Uh, can you hear me? I think so. Can you, can you hear me? I can hear you. Chat, can, can, you, can you hear him? Area code 404, can you hear him? Put a, put a one in the chat if you can hear, if you can hear the, uh, the brother on the phone line. I see nothing. I don't know. You can hear me. I'm going to answer you. It doesn't matter. I'm going to answer your question regardless. Can you hear me? If you can hear me, I'm going to answer your question. What yeah, question can, do you I have? I can hear you. I can hear you, JT, man. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Well, how can I help you? All right. So this is my question, right? So um, I basically uh, went through some things in my life and basically went back to zero, right? Okay. So from zero, um, I've basically uh, gotten to a point where uh, I am doing about like three thousand a month right now. Mm-hmm. Let's say gross. So um, I'm budgeting, paying about every week about four fifty a week, right? Okay, so four so four hundred fifty bucks a week. To, yeah, so I'm trying to uh, in expenses. I can I can kind of keep it around there. Okay, so I'm trying to contemplate a purchase that could potentially take my income from like that three level to around like fifty five six, right? Okay, what is that? So, what what's the purchase? So um. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm doing uh, delivery, like Uber Uber delivery. Okay. So I was going to buy my own uh, vehicle, like a electric scooter. Okay. But um, right now I rent them like by the day, so I come out of paying around like one fifty, two hundred a week. But if I buy my own, I won't pay that cost anymore. Mm-hmm. But 
um, also like I'm kind of heavier, so like I weigh around like 250. So like it's like you know it's a lot of complication talking about like the um, the electric capacity and all that type of stuff. Right. So you you're, you're gonna like, have to purchase so, one that's more heavy duty, right? Clearly, you you'll have yeah, to yeah, like more like you know. Thirteen, you know, to fifteen hundred dollars is looking like right. Okay, so so let 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 let's say it's it's fifteen hundred dollars. So if you were to purchase this um this scooter for fifteen hundred dollars, that would mean you will no longer have to pay a uh, two hundred dollar a week, eight hundred dollar a month rental fee. Is that correct? Correct. That's a no brainer. Let's just, let's just think about this. Right now, you're paying $800 a month rental fee for a scooter. The scooter that you need to buy is $1,500. You can pay for it in two months worth of rental payments. Two months worth of rental payments is $1,600. Yeah. So, yeah, that I mean, bro, that's a no-brainer. Go ahead and buy the scooter for fifteen hundred dollars, you 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 get the money back in just two months of savings for no longer renting. That's a no brainer. Go you you buy that scooter. Hell, I would buy I'd buy a twenty five hundred dollar scooter if it means it's more safe and all that because you the money that you're making from the use of the scooter justifies the expense. Copy. So if, if, if a okay, $2,500 scooter means that it's safer and it can get you from here to there better, I wouldn't even skimp on it. I would go up. Honestly, you can go up to a $3,000 scooter and it would still make financial sense. Hmm, okay. All right. Because your safety needs to be Thank number you. one. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, bro. Thank you for calling up. I appreciate it. All right, people. I went. Oh my God! I went over two. I went over two hours for y'all. Two hours. Uh, but I, hopefully y'all got something out of that. I really hope that y'all um are getting value out of the new format of the show. I'm doing three or four shows every week. So what y'all can do to help your brother out? What y'all can do? Hit that like button. Share this content and hit the subscribe button if you hadn't hit the subscribe button already. Uh, but that's it. Let me go through the chat real quick. If I missed any super chat, you know, let me know. I'll, I'll glance through here and make sure I didn't miss any super chats. But I thank you guys for your support. The channel is growing, growing, growing because of the pocket watches. Make sure hit that like button, subscribe, share. I think I got all the super chats. So I'm out of here uh, Monday. Monday, I think I'm doing a show. JT helped my business. This is the first uh, edition of that show Monday. JT helped my business. So be on the lookout for that. For all my entrepreneurs, my hustlers, my CEO of a company that only hires you, uh, you know, call me up. If you got a business question, I'm going to do the best I can to help you out on Monday's JT help my business. But other than that, we are out of here. Y'all have a great night. I will catch y'all Monday, which is tomorrow. I'll holler at y'all then. Otherwise, good night.